since 2008, Marvel Studios has brought us over 10 years of cinematic blockbusters, and nothing will ever be the same. Can we, as mere mortals, prevail? Join us to find out. Peter Melnick, graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. True believers, the next chapter begins with another episode of The Marvelists. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole of the show and introducing our special guest, we want to tell you people at home how you can get a hold of us on them, our social media. Tell them, tell them. First off, go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like on there and like my page, Peter Melnick Podcaster. Also, <sighs> go on Twitter at The Marvelists follow myself at peter melnick and eddie doesn't do twitter hashtag eddie wilson wants none of your twitter chicanery cc jeremy bagley we got to omit that that's an extraneous phrasing Uh, anyway also follow us on instagram at the marvelists because i'm letting you have that one again thanks you know golly gee whiz go follow us on there follow myself at peter melnick yourself at Eddie9193. At AOL.com. Also, I will continue doing that. Anyway, also drop us a line in our email bag, themarvelous at gmail.com. Questions, comments, strongly worded letters, haikus, poetry, fan art. Not erotic fan art. I, no, I don't want that. No, no can do. Also, go on. Stitcher at stitcher.com slash premium. Use that promo code at checkout. Marvelists. Get a free one month of Stitcher Premium. And when you do that, people, help support the show, and you end up getting one free month of Stitcher Premium. You get to listen to a crap ton of audio content, including the Nerdist archives, let's see, the Smodcast archives, Earwolf, etc., etc. But the big one, the big one of them all, you get to listen to Wolverine The Long Night, which actually is being adapted by Marvel Comics in serialized format. So a serialized podcast becomes a serialized comic book. Always have cereal in the morning. Yes. But in the meantime, you can be able to use Stitcher at stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And when you do, like I said, helps the show out. And then once that free one month is over, guess what, people? Four ninety nine a month. That's right, four ninety nine a month. And yeah. But on top of that, you can also listen to this show on a other variety of platforms. I'm grammatically correct today. You can find us on <laughs> iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Five star if you're ever so inclined. And also go on Stitcher, surprisingly. I'm shocked we're on that. I mean, we have the promo code. I thought they would you know, not have us on there. But We've had Stitcher for the longest. I mean, that's back in the, the day, joke. Was, but anyway. Oh, oh yeah. Podomatic. You, was the joke. Well, no, there's that. That was. Another show, another time, another place, another day. Caveman days? You can, there have been the very beginning when we made fire? You can, you can also find us on... You can also find <laughs> us on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and let's see, I think Podbean, stuff like that, wherever you can get an RSS feed. And people, this is the beginning of something special for this month. It is the beginning of Fantastic February. Yes. And... Basically, what we're going to be doing is covering all of the Fantastic Four movies. We're going to have a couple little surprises in store. We got some stuff going. We got some stuff brewing. And just like the coffee that it was brewing in our special guest's hand right now, not literally in his hand because no. that just sounds like hell, but 
We want to welcome him to the show. I've known this guy for a long, long time, Justin Wang. You might know him from his YouTube channel, Wang. Justin, how you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. So this is your first time watching this movie, I imagine. It is. like It's one of those movies where, you know, you always hear about it, uh, see people shitting on it, but it, I never actually got around to watching it. It's kind of... I actually, I actually confused some elements of it with the other movies, believe it or not. Were they parts that were good or parts that were bad? Because, yikes. I, I mean, the Thing costume in particular, I remember the... Uh, the Kellogg's cornflakes looking thing costume, but that was one of the later ones. It wasn't this one. That you're th- when you say Kellogg's, that's the uh, 2015 one, I imagine, because that like thing I, with I, no pants. I love that you know just by that description. Because I remember the Denny's commercial, man. I remember the Denny's commercial for that garbage. Although that Fantastic Four burger was seriously one of the best things I've ever had at I a Denny's. That. Are you kidding? What was me? on that? That sounds familiar, but what was on that? It had cheese. Yeah. I know that. It represented the orange I would of, hope so. of the thing. <laughs> oh, it was one of those burgers that's meant to actually look like the characters. I w- <laughs> wow. I want to say it was because I before I wolfed it down, I just remember that look of it. It it was orange. It was flaky. I think it was on a one of those big buns. That's all I know. Brioche. That that one, yes, the the one I can't pronounce, but yes, brioche. Because a burger already kind of looks like the thing. I mean, a little bit, yeah. I can see it's that. a little too brown though. <laughs> Maybe it's more when he's sleeping he does, with his eyes closed. It looks like him. Yes, he is a little bit more of a cheddar guy. Yeah, that's it. Now we're talking my cheese. So people at home, obviously, we're talking about Fantastic Four twenty. There we go. Jesus Christ. All right. Amen. Be- People at home, what we're talking about for this episode is not Fantastic Four O Five, or as it's more commonly known, Fantastic, which we will be doing in three weeks. No, we are talking about Fantastic Four in nineteen ninety four, produced by Roger Corman, and this movie is—it's a thing. When no pun intended, but when you watch this movie, yeah. You you almost feel kind of dirty watching this in a way because it's like, oh, this wasn't supposed to be released. I can kind of tell why. And yeah, it's like like Justin said with his first time watching. It's yeah. What you think? I, you- the thing is, like, it's I kind of I have a tendency to watch movies that are bad on purpose. Like actually, uh, the other day I had someone make me had me make a whole list of them. So I'm like, uh, "Beware, children at play." You gotta check that one out. Uh, Toxic Avenger, which actually aesthetically is a lot like Fantastic Four. Oh yeah, this one at least. Well, fun it's fact with fun fact of this movie, Lloyd Kaufman was actually approached by Constantin Films, the ones who are in charge of this movie and the Fantastic Four uh, property film property. They approached Troma, and Lloyd kind of didn't do it out of loyalty to Stan. He's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to screw this thing up." Yeah, what what was up with that? Like, why why would they specifically go out of their way to approach guys who are famous for making bad movies? Well, the thing with the Fantastic Four 1994 is that it was essentially a movie that was not intended to be made. They went for as little as humanly possible in terms of spending. They were like, hey, who can make this movie for a million dollars? Well, we got Roger Corman over here, or we got Lloyd Kaufman. So let's see who will take the bait. 
and Corman did it. Corman ended up going on, making the movie, and it was actually a movie that when it was, they used up all their money and they still had stuff to film. And Oof. yeah, they some like the people behind the movie didn't know that this was the purpose. It was you know the equivalent of an ash can, like just made mm-hmm. for the purpose of making it and then just throwing it to the side. This movie was designed to you know keep the rights. So Constantine were like, oh. well, as long as this movie is you know coming out, or as long as this movie is being made. We can, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to be released, but just has to have production made. Like right now going on with, I believe it's the X-Force movie over at Marvel and Fox. Mm-hmm. With the Fox deal going on, X-Force has to be made in three months or it's not going to happen. And apparently it's not going to happen because you can't make a movie oh. that fast. Like, you I mean, you can. You, I would love the way you frame that now. I would love so much for that movie to be made because here's the thing, bad movies, if you're a connoisseur of bad movies, the best bad movies emerge, not when you're trying to do it ironically, like a lot of the newer ones do, but when you have some kind of a constraint or just lack of caring, and a three-month time period is the perfect constraint to get a good bad movie. In the interest of fairness... Ryan Reynolds, though, could probably pull out a good movie with this because he's so heavily involved with the character. They could do that with a Deadpool movie. Mm. That is true. Because no one thought Once Upon a Deadpool could actually work, and it kind of did. How well did it work? Do we know, revenue-wise? I don't know, but in all honesty, when I went to go see it in the theater, it wasn't a packed house. It was like maybe half the theater was taken. So... I think the thing it's going to be dealing with more is the VHS, or not, wow, I was going to say VHS. What year is it? Holy shit. Uh, <laughs> Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. Like, that's the only way it's going to, you know, really matter. Because the theatrical run was for Ryan Reynolds' uh, cancer research group, Fudge Cancer. That was the only, like, reason they did it was to have the proceeds go to that. Uh-huh. But going back over to Fantastic Four ninety four. This movie was not made for charity. It was, well, the charity of Marvel, just, or Constantin Films, that, you know, they just need a little bit more money in their pockets. But then again, this movie never came out, so no one really saw money, so, revenue, except bootleggers. Question, though. You, you're saying that you, you feel dirty? You're thinking, oh, I'm not supposed to be watching a little, this? A little bit, yeah. Not like, golly gee, you know, it's like a snuff film I'm going to watch. But although it looks borderline like a snuff film, it, but it feels... So much aesthetically, what it made me think of, and especially keeping in mind, we were talking a little bit about this before, how it blows my mind that this movie was made in 1994 and not the 70s. But then yeah. looking at it further, it reminds me of it, it doesn't just visually, it doesn't look like a regular film, it looks like a serial commercial. <laughs> and I mean, in the just going off of how it's shot how the film looks, everything. I can see that. I abs- We actually have the movie playing in the background right now. Yeah. And this is a movie which, by the way, people, it's never been released. So if you want to watch this movie, watch it on YouTube. Watch it, you know, if you really like spyware, go on Daily Motion. You know, whatever site you can go on, it's online and it's streamable. Or you can I get watched it, it on YouTube. Before. Yeah, and like that's, the version you saw is the best quality version. Really? Yeah. 
damn. I was and here I was thinking, man, I'm probably gonna miss some. I'm probably gonna poorly judge the aesthetics of it based on the fact that I'm watching it on YouTube, compressed as all hell. Yeah, it's it's a copy of a copy, but I guess it's the best version because when the movie was all quote unquote said and done, first off. The movie is not finished. A lot of the Doctor Doom lines, which are very muddled, you can't understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He basically, and I, I thought for a second you were doing a Doctor Doom impression. It just sounded like a... <laughs> but the overall, uh, this movie was, you know, once again, never supposed to be made. But the guys in charge of it, they're like, well, if it's never going to be released, I at least want to have a copy so I can see it. A guy brought it to a place to, you know, take it from uh, the film reel and put it on cassette. And some guy just looked at it and goes, oh, shit, this is Fantastic Four. <laughs> this wasn't supposed to come out. I'm making a copy for me. And much like New Japan Pro Wrestling tapes, it got everywhere. So it went viral. Like, 1990s equivalent of viral, which was... Yeah, not the word viral. Tape trading. Yeah, tape trading, finding it at cons, yeah. and or going to you know your local comic book shop, and it's like sitting next to like a Japanese Godzilla movie. Or just the random spots. Like you, you'll never find this officially released. It's never been released. And that might actually be a video idea for me, to be honest. Just documenting how this managed to spread. That's a yeah. I would definitely watch that. I mean, first off, by the way, just a quick little plug ski for you. I was just watching a little bit of your Resident Evil 1.5, which just dropped last week because of the recording of this, obviously, because we're totally not recording these all in advance. But (laughs) here we are. (laughs) Here we are. So, yeah, that was fantastic stuff, just being able to see that. And the story... It seems like it mirrors this a little bit in how it's a prototype that was never meant to be seen, yet here we are talking about it. And do you think that's, like, the appeal of this movie? Like, regardless of the quality, both on a visual standpoint and a quality standpoint... You know, is this like a uh, more appealing to see because of that? There's definitely an appeal in that regard, especially because it's such a big company like Marvel. You never think of a company like Marvel having something like this tucked away. And Marvel has supposedly Avi Arad, the guy who is the producer of almost all the Spider-Man movies, I think every Spider-Man movie, actually, but he ended up supposedly taking the copies of this and destroying it. So this is... Hmm. He apparently did what George Lucas wanted to do with the Star Wars Holiday Special and made it happen. But if you watch the documentary Doomed, which talks about the whole sordid state of affairs of this movie, they go on about it and they say, there's no way he destroyed this. Even if you're a filmmaker, you know, like of the smallest degree, you still respect film. You still respect the contributions of these people. So I do think it's somewhere tucked in Marvel's vault. It's not destroyed. It's there. But I, you know, I got two points to bring up. And one is I'm confused when you say wasn't supposed to be made versus wasn't supposed to be released. Both. It was honestly both. Okay, so so we are, are disambiguating uh, the, the difference there. All right. But the other thing, like like one or both of you said, the appeal. And I have seen more than one person dressed in a Fantastic Four costume with the oversized large white neck part of the costume and the big four right in the center of the chest. And now I know where that came from. Yeah. 
So it's it's known. It's out there. Yeah. And I will say this. With this movie, there are, like, it's, like I said, you know, I was talking to Justin beforehand. This is one of those movies where it's the best they did with the Fantastic Four. Like, the closest they got to them being, quote-unquote, an adventure team. It's the closest they got to them not being superheroes because while they're in a comic book, the Fantastic Four are not superheroes. They're an adventure team, much like Jack Kirby's predecessors, the Challengers of the Unknown. It's like that. And doing this version, while on such a constrained budget, is the most accurate it is to the original source material. And See, like that was actually something I was wondering about, because I'm not super learned in Fantastic Four lore, because as a kid, they always had... Like, the Jeff Jarrett effect on me, where I just see them, and I get bored. Uh, <laughs> that was but, me growing up, too. Yeah. I never gave them another chance later in life. But one th- there were a couple of things in the movie that made me really get a little bit like, what's going on here? And I don't know if it's lore. In particular, well, I don't I mean, rather, I don't know if this is canon. One thing that ma- really raised my eyebrow was the fact that Reed Richards met Sue Richards when she was a little girl. And yeah, that weirded me out. <laughs> that, so that's not supposed to be like that. Yeah, as far as I know, they, like, I guess maybe met on, like, the equivalent of 1960s Tinder or something. I don't know, but it's... Okay. Yeah. Because, like, essentially, the movie starts with grooming. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. It, it, it just... I, I just paralleled it to, to um, Anakin meeting... You know his bride, and there, there's a big age difference between them. Yeah, but Reed's not going to yeah. kill his wife. <laughs> he's <laughs> not. Hank, he's right not away. Hank Pym. Oh jeez, that that's a really dark turn this episode made, and, you know, and I got to tell you, you I'm know, proud of that. And the storm boarding house or whatever the heck it was that they uh, that they had there. And a lot of elements of this movie. First off, this movie has been referenced notoriously in pop culture. Uh, Justin, are you a fan of Arrested Development at all? Yeah. You know, you remember they referenced this during the uh, first ever Netflix season where Tobias actually gets to be a part of the Fantastic Four movie and he's got this really crappy costume on and they go, uh-huh. well, I can't be called uh, the thing. I'm Orange Rock Monster. And then he immediately gets busted later on in a To Catch a Predator style situation where he's wearing the costume and goes, Daddy's got to get his rocks off while wearing the costume because you see he's got to get... <laughs> you know... I- for what it's worth, I feel like the thing costume in this movie it wasn't bad. It w- it reminded me of the Jim Henson Studios Ninja Turtles costumes with like the horse Oh, mounts. 100%. And, and the Doctor Doom costume, I mean, his cloak had like a weird texture to it, but overall that wasn't a bad costume either. Like watching it, I was thinking Maybe they wasted their entire budget on just the costumes. But just two costumes, because the rest were not that good. And fun fact of this movie, the except for the wedding dress and their costumes, they supplied their own clothing for this movie. So when you see Reed Richards wearing his suit, that's the actor's suit. When you see Johnny Storm wearing a t-shirt, that's the actor's t-shirt. There you go, that's cutting down on the budget. That's As much as I love him, that's Kevin Smithing this, big time. Yeah, oh, I mean so. that's not terribly uncommon. It it, depend, like, for a super mo- for a superhero movie, it probably is su- really uncommon. Now, Justin, what? I have to ask: Did you supply your costume for when you were on Gotham? 
Um, I think I wore my pants and shoes. <laughs> that is fantastic. Yeah, the straight jacket was theirs. Are you sure? Yeah, my ninety percent. That had to give it back. That could make for a great YouTube video. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. But let's see what else with this movie. There's a villain in the movie. We have Doctor Doom, who, as you said, the costume is great, and it is the most accurate of all of the costumes I've ever seen in this. Like, you say the thing is like one of the best ones in this. I love Doctor Doom so much more the uh knives that came out of his fingers in that one scene if not in the preview yeah i'm like wait a minute doom has, does that i mean that's not canon yeah. but it's still it's but, su- still such a cool look yeah the fingers on the hands were really particularly impressive I, there was like a few shots when we were looking at that and i was like you know like for what this is it's just it, it's that's another thing that kind of it takes you out of these things when like, there you have a very just crappily made movie, but then you have one or two aspects that are well done, and you're like, what's do- what's going on here? Some of this movie, the way it's shot, like they do Dutch tilts, like a lot of stuff like that, and it's so much Batman Adam West 66. Like I keep seeing, like we just saw in the background the uh, swirling newspaper scene where they just randomly show a newspaper before their uh, space shuttle launch. Mm. And again, stuff like that reminds me of that. And then we're, like I said, it's playing in the background right now. We are currently seeing the scene where they're going into space with their uh, vaporwave, uh, how do I say, vaporwave astronaut costumes. And <laughs> it, it, it is a At least terrible. It's not like, you know, Jiffy Pop aluminum foil type. It thing. looks like it, though. Okay, then maybe it. Uh... <laughs> Do we want to correlate this to the beginning of, you know, Planet of the Apes, the first movie? I don't know. Those spade suits. Not quite. I mean, they had more of a budget, though. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. I just, it's, they, actually, they look like vaporwave race car drivers. Now that I realize, because of the helmets, yeah. the helmets look like vaporwave race car drivers. And I, I just imagine them being played in the Forbidden Mall. So. Well, I don't know why, you know, some discrepancies that I started seeing was when Victor was getting zapped by lightning and he gets saved by Ben you know, they're distorting the source material, um, having the, the storm boarding house, and not only the age difference, of course, with with Reed and Sue, but the fact that Mrs. Storm is the one who coins, look at you, the Fantastic Four. What are we, some kind of <laughs> suicide squad? <laughs> hunka hunka. But, uh, and I'm watching also in the background, once again, they're playing with the, uh, I guess, the panels on the ship i'm half expecting to see joel hodgson crow t robot and tom servo just randomly show up in the background and maybe have like the bad movie of the week which ironically i hate to say it is this movie but uh, yeah it's the thing is this with this movie they are trying their damnedest and it shows like in most parts the acting is not great but the guy who played reed richards and the Alex guy Hyde White. Yeah, he was phenomenal in this for what this is. Yeah, you know? for what it is. Mm-hmm. And now they were unaware that this was a movie that was just meant to be thrown in the garbage. Right. As far as I know, the only person that knew was Burned, uh, uh, Burnt Eichinger and Roger Corman and Constantin Films. Like, they were the only ones that knew. And. Yeah. 
yeah, it's it's sad to know because like they put they gave their all and for this to never see the light of day, that's kind of cold. It happens. Oh yeah. Space I mean, you know, you know what it is though? It happens where they'll have a movie get made and they try to get distribution and it doesn't happen. It's not as common for a movie to be made deliberately just to get put away. Unless, you know, you're Prince or something. <laughs> how? Yeah, he has how many movies, how many I music videos and songs in his archives? I don't know. It's Count. massive. Wow. Like, there was a list. Like, some of it was fake and some of it was real. And it, like, you can't tell what was the real stuff in Prince's archive. Because one of them was like a documentary about the wrestler Coco Beware. I'm like, I don't know what? if that's real. Like, look that I up. I feel like that's got to be real. I, I wait, would watch so, that documentary. You wait. You mean he produced it? Supposedly, like there's a documentary about the Birdman himself, the Ghostbuster Coco Beware, and I, I like can look this up right now. It's it's a list, and like I said, I don't know how much of it was like. These are some real ones, and here's some just BS to throw in. Wait, say it again. By Morris Day, the Coco Beware movie. I I would watch that movie. I'm out of this. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, like, a lot of things like this. Like, I, I know this movie was supposed to be... The movie was supposed to make its grand premiere at the Mall of America, home of the very first WCW Nitro. Mm. Fun trivia fact, That's folks. That's immediately where my mind goes when talking about the Mall of America. <laughs> well, it's the Midwest. Is there really much to talk about with that? <laughs> but... Oh, yeah, it's the Midwest. Anyway. Um, but it's... It was supposed to make its grand premiere there, and then everything just you know hit the fan. They were they were touring at comic conventions, you know, and they would actually bring the thing costume, like the the head and everything, to these things. They would pay extra money to take care of that. But when it was like, "Hey, Alex, you want to go to this convention? Yeah, all right. You're gonna be doing coach, and you're paying for it. So enjoy." They they cared about the props more than they did the actual cast. So, and I don't know for sure if it was actually Coach. They might have, you know. Now I'm wondering what became of that Thing costume. Same, same. Um, A lot of those things actually end up in, like, places like Random Planet Hollywood. Like, some of the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, the movie costumes, are in a Planet Hollywood right now. And they're, like, they're absolutely destroyed. Like, they have them in the sun, and the costume starts peeling. I know... uh, the Maguire attire from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies is sitting in a Planet Hollywood, I think, or someplace, and it's... I didn't even know there still were Planet Hollywoods. I know there's one in New York City. I'm aware of that one. Yeah. But otherwise, ironically, probably the one in Hollywood is shuttered up. Um, no, I think there's there's one in Florida attached to Disney World. That's not, that's not California, though, Eddie. <laughs> Planet Hollywood, you said, right? They're- yes, but I was saying in California, well, in Hollywood. I know you did, but it just rem- it just reminded me, yeah. Hey, Eddie, you want to go on a road trip? Not that one. Oh. But, Eddie? Oh, but Eddie? Yeah, there you go, right. Well, a little subtle thing, too, to notice a couple of times when they shoot and you get a long shot of the Baxter building, you see that the number is 4444. Hint, little little thing there. I don't get it. Well, we we move on. That's why I'm the older one, I suppose. I don't know. 
oh, the number four, but, uh, the number of times I attempted to watch this movie. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, some things must have gone to, if you can believe it, the cutting room floor, because um, I'm trying to see where the, the part comes in where, oh, this, this diamond rock, this huge meteorite-looking diamond rock, which is supposed to power whatever you want it to, I suppose, when this happens, uh, when the switch comes, that, um, I don't know if it's his, if he's the he's the jeweler, I guess. Well, fun fact, the jeweler was not supposed to be the original villain of this. Monocle Man is what I was calling him until I knew if, that he had some kind of name. But The original villain was supposed to be the Mole Man. The Mole Man would mm-hmm. make sense. And, cause yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. The only reason Mole Man was not the villain in this was because of the fact the character was had his rights tied up somewhere else. Probably. And oh, of course. It's one of those things that when I hear, of course. <laughs> I'm a little confused because Black Panther is owned by Marvel Studios, whereas he's not a part of the Fox, you know, Constantine film stuff, even though his character made his first appearance in the Fantastic Four, much like the Inhumans, who Marvel Studios has. What's the deal with that? I don't understand that. Some things we are not meant to understand, I suppose. And, you know, it, it makes sense. You know, not every character that's going to appear in the Fantastic Four is going to, you know, be in their film rights. Like, the X-Men have appeared in the Fantastic Four how many times? Mm-hmm. And there's oh, no well, way. Yeah, yeah. But for characters that originated in these series, that's where I'm just like, really? How is, how is that possible? Because, like, you know, Ego the Living Planet in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. That was a Fantastic Four character, and he actually had his rights brought over to Marvel, for Marvel Studios, from Fox. Yeah. Because they traded the rights to essentially alter Negasonic Teenage Warhead in the Deadpool movies. Because her version of the character is a completely different one in the Grant Morrison, Frank Quitley, uh, new X-Men. It just sounds like we're, we're playing a game of cards here. Look, I'll, tra- or I'll, tra- yeah. tra- listen, I'll trade you a mega- Negasonic Teenage Warhead to- <laughs> for your... You know. Yeah. And, and I'll see you that, you know. How many pogs do you think the film rights are for this? Like, I, I want to know, like, the exchange rate for this. <laughs> you want to know. I have some slammers, believe me. I could probably, yeah, you know, make I'm a sure nice amount do. for this. Mm-hmm. After that, long after this, yes. <laughs> I still have that O.J. Simpson slammer <laughs> hanging out of my house somewhere. Oh, my. Hang on to it. It's a keeper. <laughs> yeah. I think that actually fetches a decent price on eBay. It's, I wouldn't be surprised. It's such a, it's the, the classic slammer. Somebody pull up the, uh. The OJ running through the airport for the was it a Hertz rent a car? If the right. if, if the slammer doesn't hit, you must acquit. Oh, <laughs> but actually, if you haven't seen this particular slammer, like it looks like for some reason it's like shaped like a buzz saw, made out of like solid gold, not well solid fake gold. Oh but, my god! And the front end, it's uh, OJ's in the slammer, and there's a picture of him behind bars, and the back is just the chase, and it's a uh, engraved. White Bronco Jace. Oh, that's incredible. Wow. Man, we're, we're waxing nostalgic. Well, I mean, that did happen in 1994, Eddie. So yeah. they both the peak correlate. of... Uh, uh, okay. And in other news... Eddie, yeah. where were you when O.J. Simpson went on his grand chase? I was watching it, <laughs> watching it on television. Grand slow speed chase. $100. <laughs> Is that the opening bid? What? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, there's a another one that's less, but it's a bootleg one. No shit, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And oh, that is how how big is that slammer now? Now, like, I'm intrigued. <laughs> it's a. 
if if you were a, a person playing uh, competitive pogs, <laughs> if if that were such a thing to exist, I don't know if it did. But if it did exist, they definitely would not allow the OJ Slammer because it's so overpowered. <laughs> oh, man. I, I would say it's an unfair advantage for whoever, you know, has to deal with that Slammer. Yeah. So, yeah, this, uh, this movie, like I said, it had different elements. There were, you know, supposed to be different characters. And different people auditioned for this movie, obviously, because... When you're making a movie in Hollywood, it doesn't matter how big or how small it is, people are going to be lining up to audition for this. And this movie was no exception. Some people that, you know, had auditioned for this were Patrick Warburton from Seinfeld, you know, Putty. uh, The Tick. And friend of the show, Mark Ruffalo, actually auditioned for the role of Johnny Storm. Oh, my God. Imagine that movie. Imagine the timeline where that movie happened. And then we get the guy who plays Johnny Storm in this. He becomes the thing. Or not the thing, sorry. He becomes the Hulk. That. That's well, a timeline that's a, I don't know if I want it to be Nah, in. you just reversed completely. On, uh, you know. Well, yeah, that's the point of it. <laughs> completely, yeah. But to see these people, they're in the ledger of, you know, of the people that were supposed to be there, that, you know, signed, you know, for auditions. Jay Underwood as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. And Jay Underwood actually prior to this movie was in movies like uncle buck and now interestingly enough he's a pastor in hollywood well so that's funny because because on that note i was going to make reference to when we first you know we see that uh, in the part of the movie where this ship has crashed we no idea where what scene (coughs) they filmed it or where they actually it's probably irrelevant where they actually you know crash landed then you just happen to see them out in this field or whatever it is and um Johnny sneezes and ignites a bush on fire. Um, you know, the soup, burning bush? Soup, it sure is. It, uh, I had that religious in- intonation in there as well when I saw it. And another one comes up a little bit later after Sue half disappears, vanishes, and, and Reed finds out about his stretching ability and says, God help us. Which <sighs> I don't think you would do now necessarily to be, you know, politically, religiously correct. I think they would. It's kind of st- stood out when I heard that line. I'm like, I don't know if I hear that. Oh. Yes, I know we've heard that in um, the president's role, the character or name, I can't remember, but he plays the president in one of the X-Men movies, Then God Help Us All. Oh, was it? Why can't I remember his name? You know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. It was with respect. I think it was in uh, Last Stand, X-Men Last Stand. Yeah. I did not expect to be talking about that, about that movie today. There that, you go. That and Pogs. So, so it's a nice, uh, nice selection for this episode. But Eddie, the thing that I can't remember—I keep saying the word "thing"—but that's what you—that's what you come up with. Yeah. Alicia, when she gets her, uh, she gets a package delivered. She's, you know, the sculptress, and we don't necessarily need to know that she's the daughter of the puppet master. It doesn't come into play. But I just thought it was kind of funny that it took six goons to abduct and carry away Alicia. <laughs> Well, that scene is actually going on right now, and I want to know from both of you, how many Lionel Richie uh, head busts do you think she's made in her life? Oh, you know, that's <laughs> definitely... They weren't flashing back to 1985 or whatever. Hello? Yeah, the, the, that was another thing that was throwing me off with the year. The timeline. It's, they're, they're in, like, the 80s at the beginning, right? 
And then, because, uh, like, what was really throwing me is that this movie is made in 1994, but it feels in many ways like it was made in the 70s. And it's, then it, it, like, it kind of like, mentally made it hard for me to keep track of, like, where they are in time. I would say the video quality is, like, the biggest detriment because... Actually, no, even if you watch it, like, if, if an, a Blu-ray or 4K edition of this comes out, I imagine it would still, like, feel like, well, this is kind of like a 70s movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do. I the agree. lighting is, like, very, uh... In some ways, it's detrimental to it because it makes it look like it's not supposed to. Well, in some in some respects, yeah, I see how it's a throwback because, you know, when, when the decade changes... You have some leftover from the previous, I think, that comes through. And, and in this case, it's, yes, in, in film. I think that happened with when we did our Punisher movies. How, it, although it was into that next decade, it was still kind of a throwback from a few years before. Well, this is how it was done then, and or the technology hasn't changed. Nobody thought of it doing it a different way, so it looks like it's a throwback or whatever. Justin. I think another element of that is that it made me think of that old Captain America movie. Oh, with uh, Italian Red Skull? Yeah, which that one is 70s, right? No, that's uh, 1990, I want to say. Really? There, um, there are two. The, the, there are two. That, you're talking about the Dolph Lundgren? No. Or, or no the, the, the one no. who reminded me of Dolph Lundgren. Something Sorry. Salinger. Yes. Okay. Max Salinger, and that's the 1990s one. Actually, Justin, you, you like cheesy movies. Uh, yeah. You know, you know canon films. That movie is actually made by Menahem Golem. And that's one of their, you know, side project movies. Like, when that movie came out, that was, like, a spinoff of Canon Pictures. Okay. And Eddie just looked, you know, to see. They actually did a... It was supposed to be, I guess, a made-for-TV movie about Captain America, and he's riding a motorcycle for some reason. Well, like, that, yeah. no, that what I just looked at was my autographed 8x10 when I met uh, Reb Brown. With the, uh, you know, the, he'd had the shield mounted on the motorcycle as kind of like, a, you know, a deflection of whatever. See, what I was thinking of was the 79 Captain America. That's the one. That's the one, Reb, Reb Brown. Yeah. 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 And Italian Red Skull is, I think, Captain America 90. Yes, sounds right. Mm-hmm. And, like, this, these, I, I want to say, like, you could probably make a cinematic universe with this movie, the 1970s Captain Americas, and Incredible Hulk, and also... The Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. and the Doctor Strange made-for-TV movie. Mm. which if you've ever seen footage of that i didn't know that existed it's bad it's like if you want to get it on uh amazon they don't have it as d-o-c-t-o-r strange it's d-r period so it's one of those little like because they don't want people to get that but they're like yeah i do want to watch dr strange okay here you go here's dr strange i want a dr strange this is dr strange (laughs) so but it, it exists, and like it was known for years. Like the only way you could watch it was VHS bootlegs. And then when the movie came out of uh, Benadryl Cucumber Patch, they were just like, you know what? Let's just re-release this. <laughs> and it's it's a thing. It's certainly we want to do that one down the line. Like I want to do uh, the wor- very, very, very worst of Marvel because truth be told. This is not as bad as some of the other stuff that Marvel has put out over the years, like the really bad stuff in the beginning. So, yeah, this could have been way worse than it was. Yeah, it's you have that negative connotation of what it's supposed to be, and then when you watch, it's like, well, it wasn't good, but it also wasn't like as bad as everyone made it out to be. It's hard. honestly, 
I probably would have enjoyed it more if it were a little worse. Yeah, I could see that. Because, you know, Justin, it said, you said something earlier that reminded me now when you said something again that uh, it was just a consistently subpar and then they did something that made it good and you're and you're thinking wait what's going on here um yeah but, but hokey i thought of when they were i guess in isolation and the the guy who the doctor the doctor <laughs> that was know, my favorite part examining each one of them and said hey or take your own blood and reed stretches his arm out okay you know the doctor reminds me of facial hairless david cross who is going to get another mention in this yes. episode but I thought it was David Cross initially, and then I'm like, wait, no, that's not. He doesn't have the Brian Alvarez voice. So, but yeah, it's it's the the like I said, the special effects, of course, given the budget and everything, it's hokey. Like watching, you know, Sue turn invisible. It's she's like the equivalent of like a swipe in between scenes in Star Wars: A New Hope. You know, it's just like hey. a little swipe across the screen. It's all right. What what bothered me a little bit about the invisibility. And granted, now I'm expecting a little too much. There's a scene where she goes invisible. There's a, there's two guys with assault rifles, and she goes invisible between them. Right. And and her going invisible makes them shoot each other. Even though they're at point blank range, she couldn't have gotten out of the way. She's just she's invisible, not you know uh, impervious. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, she's not like the Vision or Kitty Pryde. <laughs> Well, yeah, in, she hasn't blinked out of existence. You just can't see her. But when she does get visible, you see her be- coming up from a crouch. So, you know, she's okay. Yeah. Well, if according to the actress who played Sue, she said that during parts of the movie, we want you to turn invisible. She would just crouch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they literally said, we want you to turn invisible. Invisible. Wow, invisible. That works for me. That's some good coffee you've got going there. I like it. I, I, I love your... Uh, What's it called? Uh, Tony Danza impression. Invisibur. Oh. Invisibur. Invisibur. Angela. Angela. <laughs> Angela. Oh. I didn't say it. I said it right. No, you said it. You said I, it normal, like a normal person. Okay. Tony Danza says it. Angela. Tony Danzer. <laughs> oh man, I my favorite thing still of all time is when uh, one of the guys from Opie and Anthony got banned from going to the Tony Danza show. How? I for, it was like it's on. I know it's on YouTube, but it's. I think E Rock got kicked out for harassing Tony Danza's like audience. Harass? Oh, I gotta look that up. It's so great. It is so great. And then he like the next clip is. Hold on, we got a call coming from E Rock. They're arresting me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But this is again. You're watching this and you're thinking. Well, it's not as bad as it should be, and some of the actors also, like, there's one of the henchmen for Doctor Doom, or the uh, jeweler, I think it's the jeweler, looks just like, what's his name from Batman 66, the uh, Frank Gorshin, he looks just like him. Mm. Yeah, he's... Yeah, the Riddler. He looks just like him, and I think this movie could have done with a lot more star power, but again, given the budget, that's gonna happen. But... If this movie did have a bit more of a budget, could it have worked still with the script? I don't know. Uh, it's tough. Like, That's yeah. I I can't picture a Fantastic Four movie ever working well, but that's kind of just me not liking the Fantastic Four. In the interest of fairness, like I will say this, I used to be that way with the X Men as well. And really, oh yeah, I I absolutely hated the X Men because growing up as a kid. 
I would try and watch, you know, uh, X-Men 92, and it was it had the Dragon Ball Z effect on me in that I got in a little bit late and I have no idea what the hell is even going on. So I'm like, well, I'm going to skip this for the foreseeable future until I'm in my yeah. 20s and unemployed and watching DVDs. So this will be fun. But, yeah, it's... I just couldn't get into, you know, the FF and I couldn't get into the X-Men. See, I couldn't... Uh, the two Marvel things that... I actually, I started off like that, but then turned around my opinion were Daredevil, oh, who yeah. I hated when I was a kid, and then later on I saw um, Ben, ben Baker's run. Oh yeah, Ben Affleck is the one who totally sold me on Daredevil. I'm, I mean, you know, him with his ass chin and everything, he, he just found a way to get into your heart, and we appreciate him for that. But is Ben Affleck's not anybody in the Marvel Universe right no, now, No, he's, right? he's Batman now over in the DC. Yeah. Ew. Yes. <laughs> and once again, I'm not one of those prototypical fanboys who's just like, I, I only like one king over the other. I like both. I've actually had arguments with friends. I'm like, I do enjoy both. You do know that. Yeah, but you do have a Marvel podcast. Your point being. So it, it can be one of those. But yeah, he imagine Ben Affleck as Johnny Storm. I'm not, but... Uh, well, you brought it up, so what the hell? <laughs> Jeez, you know? But another, there's another Ben thing I want to get into in a second, but another hokey point was, I guess, the, the, the team trying to get out of their... Because they were in solitary confinement cells, or now all of a sudden they're in one room together, and Johnny's throwing these not doing oh, and he damn just thing fl- fireballs he at the wall. Flips. But then Ben just breaks through the, the wall itself. He did it in another case, but was it really necessary? I don't think so. Johnny in the cell... And he goes, I can't take it anymore, was like bad community theater. (laughs) Like that, just the way he did it, his arms going on, like, this was the best take you guys chose? There there were moments like that where it really, it felt like a student film in a lot of ways. And that was one of them. Fun fact, there's actually a film out there tying over to the Fantastic Four. There's a Silver Surfer test animation thing for like a live action Silver Surfer that... I discovered it over on um, Obscure Media on Reddit, which mm-hmm. if you guys ever get the opportunity to check it out, r, uh, reddit.com slash r slash Obscure Media. There is so much crazy stuff. And y- yeah. you've been on that I've too, checked right? that one out before, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Like the 1970s first ever CGI animation. That's Ooh. the creepiest thing I've ever seen. But That's history. And it's creepy. Where it all began, I don't know. But... Yeah, there's like this live action footage of the Silver Surfer from like 1992 or something. And for what it is, it looks good, but again, this is, you know, early 90s and at the time Terminator 2 Judgment Day is like the pinnacle of CGI and truth be told, that has not aged very well. But yeah. I don't know, guys. Do you remember um not so much this is just leading into this when Ben first meets Alicia you know, before they go up in the ship and everything. He Is it Alicia or Alicia? I think it's Alicia. I guess you could say it either way. It's going to be the same spelling, but it's Alicia. Okay. Let's, let's go with that. Um, and right away he says, I'm in love. And then later, with the Alicia abduction and so on, and the rescue, um, Alicia says to Ben, I love you. you I know. know. And, he didn't, and he didn't have much screen time. That you didn't. Th- they weren't interacting with each other much for, for her to say that. And as a result, Ben... I mean, the thing goes back to Ben for a little bit of time there. And and then a little bit later, he, he re-things. He comes back. 
Oh, after running away from everyone? After he he went solo for yeah. a little bit, yeah. Fun fact about the solo scene: when that scene was shot, that was when they ran out of money for the movie, oh, good and job. they didn't oh, okay. have the means to get the actor who played the thing in the costume. Who, by the way, is the guy who gets his skull crushed in Casino? That's the guy who plays the uh, thing I, in the costume. I, I long time ago for that, but okay. But they ended up getting like one of the casting directors, and he dressed up in the thing costume, and they went guerrilla style shooting, and just were like, "Let's just walk around California and do this scene." Uh. No permits, I, nothing. <laughs> Funny thing about that scene, I was also looking at the Wikipedia for this uh, for this movie, and the scene in which he becomes Ben and then he goes back to being the thing. It's just in 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 the movie summary on Wikipedia, it just says for some reason. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me find it again. Like, uh-huh. it's like he becomes Ben again for some reason. <laughs> right. That's where. I'm, that's where I'm like. I need what? to find that too. Oh my god. Yeah. And then, of course, that gets followed up with with "I love you, Reed." I love you too, and all. The, <laughs> but but the good thing that I you know nod to the original comic, all hands get put in, and just like the very first comic book, one hand on top of each other. Oh no! Wait, no. Here's how. It, here's what they say. Um, pursued by doom, Ben runs out onto the city streets, frustrated at his helplessness. He somehow reverts to the thing. <laughs> <laughs> He was doing a Hulk in anguish. I don't know. I mean, he was doing an anguish? In, in extreme stress. And he do a spooky. He, he, he becomes the Hulk. It's, it's like the Hulk, only instead of anger, it's sadness. Yeah. <laughs> it's an emotional I'm thing. I'm emo that. Hulk. I'm think sad it's just again. emo Hulk. It's an orange Hulk. Uh. <laughs> There's your conflict. Jeez. But <laughs> I think I, 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 we finally see the thing... In shorts, in in this case, it's about damn time. You know, like everything else, just like with the Hulk, the pants, the shorts, they stay somewhat intact, tattered, but you know, there's decency here. Damn it, somewhere. I mean, it's, it's probably the uh, the spawn the spandex has certain molecules tied to it. <laughs> Good lord. Uh huh. Yeah, I think if I remember now, towards. Getting towards the end of this, with with the uh, the green laser that was shot out, and the torch goes after this, the effect that they did on this, I think, was after he gets tossed around by this laser. This is the CGI scene, right, where he's, he's flipping. Yeah, he's flipping over and over, and then he finally actually is able to uh, repel and push back the laser. I I like the way they had the torch CGI'd, all flamed on and everything. That was kind of cool. It was good tech, I thought. Well, the thing is with that scene that's really funny is, according to the documentary Doom, they actually reveal that scene. The uh, CGI in some of that movie for, was by this guy who said, yeah, I'm working on that movie Independence Day. So apparently he was like, he <laughs> made it believe that he was the guy behind it. And they're like, oh, okay, cool, bring you on. Oh, he's just a guy involved with Independence Day. He probably, he probably celebrated it once. So. Yes, it was the holiday, not the... See now I'm trying to like place these movies in terms of years to get a get an idea of what was happening and effects while this movie was being made. And I guess I guess Independence Day is 1996. Yeah, that was 96. This movie was in production I want to say like in 1993. Yeah. And this had like a 94 uh release date. And you look at movies like this and it like the lighting and how it looks and the way you say it, it looks very, you know, dingy like 1970s. Did you ever watch the Double Dragon movie? 
Oh, yeah, of course. That looks like this kind of movie, too. Yeah, totally. Where I think, like, the less the budget is, the more it's going to look like, you know, this upcoming Grindhouse movie. You know, that, those kind of things. And it's, yeah. Although the, I, I remember it having, like, not being a good movie, though, but having a somewhat better aesthetics than this movie did. Well, you so what would you say about the score for this movie? The score that one song that played a lot was pretty memorable. To be honest, it, it got its way into my head a few times. Yeah, same here. Like the the quote unquote title score of the the uh, movie, and it's got that haunting feel to it. And the other thing about this movie is the composers of this film ended up going over to I believe it was Capitol Records. And recorded where Sinatra recorded. They did it out of their own pocket with a 48-piece orchestra. <laughs> That's how many people, you know, did the score for this movie. Wow. That almost equaled who knows how many it took to make the movie. Probably a little bit less. Count them, count them up in the credits, yeah. Count them up on, you know, on one hand. <sighs> wow. Because there's Doctor Doom. <laughs> I, uh, DR period, yes. Well, no, uh, in this version, it's, it's D-O-C-T-O-R. Oh, okay. Is that a big a big C in there? No, probably not. Well, I was going to give you the last hokey thing that made its way to my eyeballs, and that was the wedding scene, coming out and seeing all but Sue. Before we get their, to that part. Their... Oh, my God. Because <laughs> we know exactly what part we're going to reference, but when you're watching Ben walk down the thing and he goes, out of the way, leave him be, or whatever, if you notice, his voice sounds different for one split second. They actually forgot to mix the audio and make him have the thing voice. So you just hear the guy's <laughs> regular voice <laughs> for a split second. Oh, man, second. I think I missed that. Okay. And not because of any nodding off. Give I, him... I, I uh, legit, uh, legitimately missed it. Uh, no. So you had an Aquaman like I did? You fell asleep during this movie? No. Not oh. on my, well, on my very first viewing, which was late and a long day and so on, so I didn't really see it to its entirety. <laughs> This one I stayed awake all the way through. I'm, I'm like I, I said that 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 thing voice drop or, yeah. <laughs> in the background. I didn't. I completely missed this during my initial viewing. They're showing in the background the uh, the henchman getting shot, and I don't know why, but it reminds me of the uh, Daffy Duck cartoon where he's like fighting Dick Tracy villains or whatever, and a guy is getting shot and he just starts shaking. <laughs> that is the greatest acting I've ever seen. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> Have you seen Beware Children at Play? No, I have not. No. You, if you want to talk about bad death scenes, definitely treat yourself to that movie. That's all I'm gonna say. And now, what is it called again? Because I'm gonna Beware Children at Play. Beware Children. It um, it was distributed by Troma. It's not. I don't think they. I don't think Lloyd Kaufman had anything to do with the production of it. I think they just distributed it. But it definitely belongs on there. Yeah, kind of like how uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker did. Uh what's it called, uh, Cannibal the Musical. Like, they ended up getting it distributed through Trauma, but Trauma had nothing to do with it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I am checking that out. And it's on, it's on YouTube. Yeah. Right on. Oh, 1989. That means it's really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the wedding scene at the, the very end, Eddie... Yeah, what we all know. Everybody but Sue in their four costume. Now, what conversation was had, and how long did that take to figure out how we're going to have them come out of the church? Well, we got to have Sue and the bride, you know, 
But everybody else, yeah, no. No more costume budget. This is how it is. And finally, of course, through the sunroof. <laughs> yes. Very long extended reed hand just waving back and forth. How much do you think that pool noodle cost them? <laughs> a double pool noodle. That was a, that was a long... And fun fact, Eddie does a Mr. Fantastic cosplay, which the late mean Gene Okerlund, I think we tell the story on next episode as well, because we totally didn't record this, but in order, mean Gene Okerlund saying Eddie was a uh, pharmacist. (laughs) Oh, are you a pharmacist? (laughs) The white lab coat just made him see pharmacist. But one of the things was when Eddie did the costume, I'm like, yeah, you can kind of tell you're Reed Richards. But you know what you should do? You should get a blue pool noodle, shove it in your arm, and put a glove at the end of it. That would be perfect. And, and he's know. done it now. And yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's that cool. sounds like it makes the costume. It does. It's very. It is very cool. So it was just one of those elements from like, why haven't you done this part yet? And you, like the look of like, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those moments. But yeah, Reed Richards has a pool noodle hand in this movie, so. That was the. What was your reaction, Justin, when you saw that for the first time? I, I was. I, I can't even explain it. I was like, wait, what? Because, <laughs> like, there, it was one of those things where, like, the whole movie had these weird tonal shifts where it didn't know if it wanted to be a comedy or if it wanted to be a serious movie or, or what. And that was one of the. Ending the movie. On that point, I feel like they finally made their decision, I guess. <laughs> I just an extended, so to speak, scene, <laughs> drawn out, long and somewhat painful, that you had to keep seeing it slowly fading away with the car pulling out the limo. Hold on, we got a couple more seconds of hand rental, or arm rental. <laughs> yes, we got to maximize Got to get the most of it. <laughs> but when that happened... Like, this is a movie that is a few years removed from Batman 89, the Tim Burton movie, that looks gorgeous even to this day. And, yes, again, I get it, the $1 million budget, but, ah, like, you could have done, like, get Tom Savini in there or something. I don't know, but, like, throw, you know, that Tommy, Tommy Dreamer of horror, you know, throw him in there and have him try something with practical effects. I don't know. But the way the hand just... Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Eddie? <laughs> well, the other thing that caught me uh, as far as the credits, and look, I think they were back to back. Listing, of course, the main four characters, then Dr. Doom by Joseph Culp. Victor Von Doom, Joseph Culp. Uh, what? <laughs> Why? They had space? I, well, <laughs> they didn't want to confuse anybody? I mean. We got a few more minutes of credits. Let's utilize those. I couldn't have said Doctor Doom slash Victor Von Doom. Joseph, you know, Joseph Culp listed twice. Well, this movie is about I think an hour and a half. Hour and four. Um, I think that's about right. An hour, like roughly yes, an, an hour and a half. Yes, an hour and a half. That's enough to be an actual movie because this, if it was yes. a made for you know DVD movie or VHS, that's like maybe seventy to eighty minutes, like the DC animated movies. Like those are. They're quote unquote movies, but let's be real. They're uh, they're a TV movie with just a couple more extra minutes. And okay. So, guys, I guess that we'll wrap up this episode. But what did y'all think of the movie, Justin? You first. It uh, it was it was more passable than I expected it to be. 
like I said, I feel like as a bad movie, it could have it could have been more entertaining if it were a little bit worse. Maybe you know you slash that budget in half and see what happens. Oof. Well, I mean, then we wouldn't be able to see the thing wearing his Raphael trench coat. So that's true. <laughs> uh, I I like the movie for what like. If you listen to our uh, Punisher 89 or 1990 episode, I loved that movie. So this is where my opinion is kind of swayed a little bit. I love cheesy movies. And this was just something that it's it's hard to put into words, but it was definitely it was definitely cheese and it definitely whetted my appetite for what the kind of movies are that I like. And when you go in knowing like the whole backstory about everything that happened with this, you almost kind of root for them while you're watching the movie. Like, Hey, you guys, you guys did a good job for what this was. Like the guy who plays Reed Richards in this movie is a great Reed Richards, Alex Hyde white. And he's, when I see him, he doesn't look like, you know, uh, the guy in the next one, like the regular fantastic four and rise of the silver surfer who looks like, you know, yeah, he Yon looks like, he looks like uh, like as I said in like like I might say in the uh, Fantastic Four O Five less date rapey Dennis Reynolds, Hi. but he just yeah like I I like it I like the movie wasn't that bad but for what this is it should have been so much better in regards to like if it had more of a budget that. Can yeah, and that'll that'll go into me, I guess too. But that mostly would have, I'd say, influenced the way it it came out. Um, part of the forgiving person that I am, with all movies that I've, we've talked about, says, "All right, first time they did this, let's give them the benefit benefits to some de- to great degree." And how many uh, benefits, Eddie? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not counting. But yeah, could it be four? Could it be four? Yeah, that's a good number. Let's go with that. Or five. Five if you include, I don't know. Spider-Man. Herbie the Robot. I'm Franklin. pointing at you like, yes, I Franklin? agree. But I, it's I, an I audio know, podcast. Bill Franklin Richards or something like that. But, anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, passable. Uh, mid-range, I'll go with it as, tar- as far as a ranking, if we're going to go there. Uh, you know, out of our classic, f- out of five. So I'm going uh, probably in that in that vein. Uh, just some silly stuff, though, that, like, why did you, did, did, so that, wait, did that need to be, I mean, yes, was it a comedy, was it serious, I think it had to, it needed to have elements of both to, to keep interest, um, but, yeah, with a better budget, probably could have done. So what do you rate this movie out of five? Uh, actually, I would go with, like, three. I'm going maybe three and three quarters. Because you like the cheese, yeah, that's it. Yeah, but... Punisher 89 was cheesy, and I love that I know, movie. I know. We're going back to that. That was a good movie. Yes. What do you call 500-something killed people? Work, Work in progress. progress. Yeah, come on. <laughs> you, can't, you can't go wrong with Dolph Lundgren doing a bad Stallone impression. Yes. And wasn't That's that- not the one with Kevin Nash, though. No. I actually, like, when we did a rewatch, I was so bored watching that movie. Yeah. yeah. And I tried, fun fact, I actually tried uh, getting an interview with Kevin Nash at a convention we were at. And he mm-hmm. didn't want to sit down and do an interview. And I'm like, dude, I did a panel with you like how many months ago and you still don't want to do like five minutes about this movie? 
Kevin's what you Ke- thought, not what you said. Kevin, oh, so like he specifically didn't want to talk about that movie. No, he was like, "I'll do it tomorrow." I'm like, "I'm not here tomorrow." <laughs> hmm. So, living up to the big lazy uh, name. <laughs> big lazy. So, yeah, like I said, three and three quarters. Justin, you want to rank it if you want. Uh, I'm gonna give it a a, a two and a half. Right on. Okay. Yeah, like it's it, it wasn't an unenjoyable experience, but in and I'm not ranking it like in like a, a Citizen Kane type <laughs> scale. God, imagine uh, the Criterion version of this movie. <laughs> yeah, like I'm thinking about how it ranks compared to other bad movies. Yeah, compared to other bad movies, it's a little bit better than most bad movies, but it's just not. It's passable. Yeah. So, all right. So before we wrap this episode up completely, Justin, first off, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And how can people get a hold of you on social media? And how can people check out your YouTube channel? My channel is called Wang. Uh, If you look up Wang or Tales from the Internet, it'll come up. Uh, Twitter, um, at Justin Wang, W-H-A-N-G. Instagram, Justin Wang YT. And I actually know you through another website with a, uh, you have one of the most interesting Reddit names, Savio Vega guy over here saying that. And yeah, my Pikachu sex. Hell yeah. (laughs) I still have that name on other accounts too. I just use them for, uh, occasionally just posting old reposted memes that are like buried on my phone. Personally, I miss your Wang four page. Like I was waiting for that to like, you know, blow up, but instead, and I've, I've been a low key fan of your stuff for a while now and watching the success you've been getting with your videos is incredible. Thank you. And the quality is always consistent. And I go back to that one video you posted, you support your friends if they're making things that you like and you make stuff. I like, I've always been attracted to videos where it's like the secret history of things. I love your, uh, max headroom incident video. Like that's one of those where yeah, that, it's insane. I think that one's uh like the I think that's the most popular video I ever made. Really? Yeah. Cuz I know um this you also blew up with another video. It was the uh Mandela effect with Sinbad's apparently Shazam movie because you know Shazam Sinbad and Shaquille O'Neal look so much alike. Like when you just look at him it's like double vision, you know. <laughs> So it's crazy for that video. It's such a strangely divisive video. That one, uh, it's literally the only video I have where like the like to dislike ratio, it's almost always at 50%. That's because there are people that believe a movie called Shazam exists starring Sinbad and no, I'm surprised that video didn't attract a lot more of uh, those the the um rather the John Teeter video that I did recently. I'm surprised it didn't attract a lot more of those people because there's a, this whole branch of theory about t- John Teeter the time traveler and that he's the one that caused the Mandela effect and uh, that the Sinbad movie got erased from our dimension when he showed up. I want to know why these people are so vehement that you know this movie existed and like they get so upset if you say no it doesn't so 
it's it's like that's the extent to people that people will go to to not be wrong. And I I've seen like comments on your page or on the uh, video of that, and I remember you pointed it out one person going, "I have a VHS of this. I will show it to you." Okay. Yeah. Do okay. Do it, please. Basically, the whole video like originated just from a uh, TBS clip, I guess, of him dressed up as Sinbad the Sailor. So, yeah, it's it's strange. It's absolutely strange. But what's not strange, like I said, is how much you've blown up, even to the point where you'll comment on my Facebook and someone will go, oh, wow, Wang just made fun of you. Holy shit. <laughs> like, this- yeah, that's that's fucking weird that that happens. <laughs> The Solomon Grundy comment is still one of my favorite things, and my friend goes up to me later on and says, I don't like that that Justin Wang fellow over there called you Solomon Grundy. I'm like, he's funny. He can get away with that. (laughs) (laughs) You let him be. I mean, it was an old picture that you put up for the sake of being like, ha ha, look at this old picture I put up. Isn't that funny? Oh, I look terrible. (laughs) But, I mean, I was born on a Monday, Chris Anyway. (laughs) This isn't the DCist podcast, so we'll we'll drift away from that. Mm, but yeah. Solomon Grundy discussions band. Exactly. I mean, we we save that for Patricio and Joe for the DCists, and they they've got a show. Doesn't exist, but one day it could. The DCists. That, that's what they call it. Well, that sounds like an alternate universe thing. And like, they, they right, <laughs> like right now in the like uh, some tangential dimension. Um, talking to the DCists right now. Somehow, like we we the uh, DCists got successful because one of the guys on the show ended up running into uh, Jason Momoa buying eggs. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that little thing. And my man, my man, Wrangler jeans commercial. But really, <laughs> before we go, Eddie, how can people get a hold of us on social media? I am glad you asked that. Go on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelists. Give us a like on there. Also, once again, my uh, little fan page, facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. Go on Twitter at The Marvelists. Give us a follow on there. Follow myself on Twitter at Peter Melnick. And once again, going back over to Eddie Wilson with his stance on Twitter. Let's see. Not there. You're not just there, but also, according to Jeremy Bagley, Visible. you are... Trying to find the text. Hold on. Uh. Hashtag talk to the hand because Eddie Wilson's Twitter ain't listening. So you can also find us on Instagram at The Marvelous. Follow myself on Instagram at Peter Melnick. It's just random selfies and pictures of like buildings, I guess. It's like it's like a Talking Heads album now. Selfies and pictures of buildings. Same as it ever was. Same as it ever was. Eddie, yourself? At Eddie9193. At Hotmail.com. Also, you can... <laughs> <laughs> you, Why? I, I don't know. you can also drop us a line in our email bag themarvelists at gmail.com questions, comments, strongly worded letters, etc etc and finally, how can you listen to the show? well obviously you're listening to it now With so your ears. it's possible, I mean you know, we can find different ways but you can listen to us on iTunes rate, review, subscribe and share also, Stitcher Radio TuneIn Radio SoundCloud and Podbean. And when you go on Stitcher, go on stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelous. And you get a free one month of Stitcher Premium and you get to listen to a crap ton of content. That's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. But you can be able to check that out, etc., etc. And after one month is over, it only costs you four ninety nine a month if you want to stay. 
you can cancel at any time, but we'd like you to stay because it's shown people, hey, the Marvelous pointed us in this direction. Let's stay on and spend $5 a month to listen to all this content. Far out. Right? So, for Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Justin Wang. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior.